2: That thing is moderator for tonight's broadcast:
0: I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Truth is the most convincing story that maps on to reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Fewer people are convinced by the story each day as they begin to see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. The time for allowing them to make us feel like strangers in our own country is over. We are Americans. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. This is the end game. It's Friday, february fourth, twenty twenty two the 380th day of dystopia. Before we get started, if you would like to follow the podcast online to see what I'm thinking and reading throughout each day, you can simply download the Telegram app and go to t.me imyourmoderator I'm your moderator and join the channel. If you'd like to support the show and thank you to all of you who have been, you can head to ko fi.com slash i'm your moderator. That's ko com slash i'm your moderator. The writing is at i'm your com, and the merch site is cancelcouture.com or you can go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel couture. For the last few weeks, I have been talking about how I believe we have reached the end game for the central narrative. We have reached the point where the propaganda channels in the state media and on social media have lost their ability to control what the public believes. People are seeking out information in new ways and they are finding correct information that has made them lose all trust in the mainstream media as it has always existed. And we are beginning to reach the point where figures in the media have seen what the future looks like for their industry and are trying to scale things back a little bit. Or it's possible that some of them, their personal integrity is getting to the point where they can no longer pretend that what they are communicating to the public is true or helpful or doing anything other than serving the state. And there's a little bit of an about face going on and I'm going to play a clip. It's a little long, but I think it's really important because I think that this and another story I'll tell you about may signify a real breaking point. So this is from yesterday in a briefing about what's happening in Ukraine. This is Ned Price, a spokesman for the state department under Joe Biden's illegitimate regime. And the journalist is Matt Lee.
3: In diplomacy and dialogue for a peaceful
0: solution. Thank you.
2: Uh, thanks. Uh, OK, well, that's a, quite a mouthful there. Um, so you said actions such as these suggest otherwise suggest meaning that they suggest they're not interested in talks and they're going to go ahead with some kind of a, what action are you talking about?
3: One, the actions I've just pointed to—the uh, fact, action? What? The, the fact that Russia continues to engage uh, in disinformation. Well, uh, campaigns. You, know, you
2: made an allegation that they might do that. Have they actually done it? Uh, what
3: we know, Matt, is what we, what I have just said—that they have engaged in this activity well, uh, in this planning activity. But let me, let me, because because obviously this is not this is not the first time we've made uh, these reports public. You'll remember that just a few well, weeks ago. I'm sorry,
2: you, made, wait, made what report public? If
3: you if, let me finish, I will okay. tell you what report we made okay. public. Uh, we told you a few weeks ago that we have information indicating Russia also has already prepositioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in Eastern Ukraine. So that, Matt, to your question, is an action that Russia has well, already taken. It's
2: an action that you say that they have taken, but you have shown no evidence to, 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 to confirm that. And I'm going to get to the next question here, which is, what is the evidence that they – I mean, this is like crisis actors, really? This is like Alex Jones territory you're getting into now. Um, what evidence do you have to support the idea that there is some propaganda film in the, in, in the making?
3: Now, this is derived uh, from information known to the U.S. Government, intelligence information okay. that we have declassified. I think you well, know –
2: okay. Well, where, where is it? Where, where is this information?
3: It is intelligence information that we have declassified. Well,
2: where is it? Where is the declassified information? I just delivered it. But, no, you made a series of allegations and would statements. Would you would you like
3: us to print out the topper? Because you will see a transcript of this briefing that you can print out for no, yourself. That's
2: not evidence, Ned. That's you saying it. That's not evidence. I'm sorry. <laughs> what would you like, Matt? I, I, I would like to see some proof that you that 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 that, that you can show that that. Matt, you have that, been that, that shows you, that, that, that you, shows that the Russians are doing this. Ned, I've been doing this for. a I long know that time. was my point. As you you, as you
3: have you, you have been doing this for quite a while. You know Ned, that when we declassify intelligence information, right. and I we do so, so and, and in a means we, so, we do so we do so with an eye that, to protecting that, that sources and methods. Is not
2: going to fall. I, I remember a lot of things. So where where, where where is the declassified information other than you coming out here and saying?
3: Matt, I'm sorry you don't like the format, uh, but we have declassified. Not the format
2: is the content.
3: I'm sorry you don't like the content. I'm sorry it's you. That I'm sorry like you are doubting this. the information that is in the possession of the U.S. government. No, I, I what I'm telling you is that this is information that's available to us. We are making it available to you uh, in order uh, for a couple reasons. One is to attempt to deter the Russians from going ahead with this activity. Two, in the event we're not able to do that, in the event the Russians do go ahead with this, to make it. Clear as day to lay bare the fact that this has always been an attempt on the part of the Russian Federation to fabricate a pretext.
2: Yeah, but you don't have any, any evidence to back it up other than what you're saying. It's like you're saying, we think we, we, we have information that the Russians may do this but you won't tell us what the information well, is that, and then when, when, that, when you're that, asked,
3: that is the idea behind when, deterrence Matt. When, when, that is the idea behind asked, deterrence and when you're it is asked, our hope that the russians don't go forward with this is,
2: you say i just gave it to you but that, that's not what you you seem not, not to understand you seem not to no, no, understand no, the man, idea of deterrence. <laughs> we are you trying seem to not deter the russians from moving
3: forward with this type of activity that is why we're making it public today if the russians don't go forward with this that is not uh ipso facto an indication that they never had plans to do so
2: uh, but then it's unprovable <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> my god what is the evidence that you have that suggests that that, that the russians are even planning this Matt, i mean i'm case? not saying that they're not but you just come out and say this and expect us just to, to, to believe it without you showing a shred of evidence that it's actually true other than when i ask or what anyone else asked, what's the information? He said, "Well, I just gave it to you," which was just you making a statement. Matt, you said yourself,
3: you've been in this business for quite a long time. You know that when we make information, uh, intelligence information public, we do so uh, in a in a way that protects sensitive sources and methods. You also know that we do so. We declassify information only when we're confident in that information. You if you doubt, if you doubt the the credibility of the U.S. government, of the British government, uh, of other governments, and want to uh you know find uh, solace and in information that uh, the solace? Russians are putting out uh, that is uh, <laughs> that is for to, you to do
2: I'm not asking what, what the Russian government is putting out and, and what, John. Do you mean, what is it supposed to be uh, the video, because the US officials are describing
3: uh, very specific scenes but do they actually have a video the the fact that we are able to go into such great detail, uh, obviously, I'm not going to spell out what is in our possession, but I will leave uh, I will leave it to you. Uh, I will leave that to your uh, to your judgment. Yeah, there are there. no facts the that, that you've spelled out. In the coming days, do you have evidence that this was intended to come out in the coming days? We've we've said then for some time now that the Russians uh, have positioned forces. Uh, they have undertaken preparations that, if Putin decides to move forward with an invasion. Uh, They're positioned to do so. They are poised to do so. In the coming days, I mean, is that a timeline that you felt that this was going to happen imminently? Well, we we know what they are planning for. We know the contingencies uh, that uh, they have engaged in. Uh, And again, these are the kinds of steps uh, that they are poised to undertake if that decision is made. Our goal in all of this uh, is to deter an invasion, to deter uh, this type uh, of activity. Uh, so, we certainly hope it doesn't take place. We are making clear what we know so that in the event it does take place, uh, it will be clear to the world uh, what this actually was and what it was not. And the preposition.
0: So, Ned Price is taking what he claims is U.S. intelligence from a source or method that they don't want to disclose. That shows that Russia is setting up to stage a false flag attack in Ukraine that would then justify Russia invading Ukraine. And Matt Lee's saying, Well, you want us to tell the American people the story that you're telling about the story that US intelligence is telling. What's the underlying intelligence? What is it you've seen? Can you show us? Otherwise, all we have to do is take the intelligence agency's word for it and take your word for it and then let the people hear that Russia is going to stage a false flag attack in order for them to invade. And the idea, of course, is that when we see this attack, this false flag That will be the signal that Russia actually is going to invade Ukraine and that will ratchet things up to a level that would justify further action from the U.S., the intelligence community and the military industrial complex. They are trying to wag the dog for war in Russia and they've been doing this for over a month and we've seen it take many different forms already. They've been talking about this potential false flag for weeks, and it sounds like they're getting closer to it. They want the American public to accept the story that Russia is going to stage a false flag in Ukraine, then invade Ukraine. So we all need to be prepared for that happening so that we are backing the U.S. as it chooses to respond to this false flag with more saber rattling. Because if they get the confrontation with Russia that they want, well, then Joe Biden is a wartime president and we get to stop talking about how he's not legitimate in any way and how he has failed on every level and every single thing that the fake administration has tried to do. And he kind of gives the whole game away at the end. And so I'm just going to play that part again because it's really important. Listen carefully. He's telling you what they intend. Uh, And again, these are the kinds of steps uh, that they are poised to
3: undertake if that decision is made. Our goal in all of this uh, is to deter an invasion, to deter uh, this type uh, of activity. Uh, So we certainly hope it doesn't take place. We are making clear what we know so that in the event it does take place, uh, it will be clear to the world uh, what this actually was and what it was not.
0: So he's saying... We want to deter the invasion and we want to deter them from making these types of activities. And the activity he's talking about is using crisis actors to stage a false flag so that Russia can invade. He wants to deter that they've been making the argument all along that Russia is going to invade And that we need to be prepared to respond to their invasion. It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not Russia can make it look like they have a justification to invade. None of this is premised on Russia's justifications. It's premised on whether or not Russia invades. But the real kicker is at the end where he says, if Russia does this, we want the whole world to know what it was and what it was not. And that's why they're presetting a narrative. They can control the outcome on the other end, their false flag. Does anybody believe at this point that Russia would stage a false flag and do that? No one believes it. You can hear it in the reporter's voice. There's no proof of any of the stuff that the fake administration has said about Russia the entire time, except for that Putin has actually got troops in Russia near the Ukraine border. But that's not new information. What he wants is for the narrative to repeat the narrative he's preset. If and when they make this false flag display, that would somehow justify Russian aggression in Ukraine. He's essentially saying we are doing this so that the world will believe what we are saying when the thing that we are saying might happen Does happen. But the important part of this overall is that the media is actually treating members of the administration the way members of all administrations should be treated. The media is supposed to be the voice of the people holding figures in the government to account. We are talking about an illegitimate administration trying to drum up a war. The media should be asking hard questions because it actually does matter if the people in office, the people in power are lying to the American people or not. And they seem to be about absolutely everything. And we can prove they are about most of the stuff. I haven't heard the media do this in a legitimate way in years, maybe more than a decade. And it's clear that Ned Price had absolutely no answers to any of these questions. He tried to suggest that Matt Lee basically accepts the Russian narrative like he's happier to support the Russian narrative than the American narrative. Ned Price is saying, well, hey, this is what the government is telling you. Are you some kind of traitor that doesn't believe in the government and believes in Vladimir Putin's word instead? And the right answer is, we don't believe in either of you, especially when Ukraine's president and Russia's president both say, this thing's not happening. The United States needs to calm down rather than trying to start a war. And the illegitimate regime can't come up with anything hard to show us. There's no hard evidence of any of it. It's just you need to take our word for it or you're a traitor. And then also yesterday in the afternoon, Felicia Sanmez of The Washington Post tweeted out at today's White House and State Department press briefings, reporters pressed for evidence to back up U.S. government statements about recent events in Syria and Russia, respectively. In response, officials suggested those reporters might be more inclined to believe ISIS and the Kremlin. Yikes. Then she follows up aboard Air Force One, a reporter asked White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki for evidence to back up the claim that Qureshi detonated a suicide bomb. Psaki asked whether skeptics think the U.S. military is, quote, not providing accurate information and ISIS is providing accurate information. That's all they have. She didn't offer proof. There's no proof at all. I didn't talk about the uh, the uh ISIS bombing yesterday because that story is still developing. But the story goes that there was some raid to take out the ISIS leader. Thirteen people were killed in it. Six of them were children and four of them were women. And Joe Biden, of course, went out and bragged about taking out an ISIS leader, said it was a very successful raid in Syria. Because when you can't wag the big dog, you might want to start smaller. But then reports came out about losing a helicopter there, and there are some pictures that are said to depict that. And then a story came out saying that the ISIS leader had a suicide vest on, and rather than being captured in the raid, he blew himself up, and he's the one who killed all those women and children. So it wasn't Joe Biden's. Raid. It was the suicide vest. So which scenario is it? Because Syrian officials said that there was an air raid. And you would expect in this situation for Jen Psaki to actually give a coherent story that clears up all the confusion. But instead, she accused reporters of siding with ISIS. That is how. Weak and dishonest the illegitimate regime is. I say often, all of these people, the people in the party of false decorum, are there and remain there because they are overwhelmed by narcissism and incompetence. Their narcissism, their feeling that they are superior and smarter and that they can get away with anything, that leads them to try to tell these stories and then get upset. When they get any pushback, the stories don't make sense because they're not true. And when people ask questions, they immediately go to ad hominem attacks like, oh, what are you siding with ISIS? You're siding with Russia? Are you some kind of traitor? And that's especially funny for people who literally side with the global communist world order over the good of the people of their own country. If we want to talk about traitors, it's not hard to find out who they are. But speaking of traitors, here's one.
1: I would say to our athletes, you're there to compete. Do not risk incurring the anger of the Chinese government because they are ruthless. I know there is a temptation on the part of some to speak out while they are there. I respect that. But I also worry about what the Chinese government might do to their reputations, to their families.
0: That is Nancy Pelosi warning American Olympians not to speak out against China. Don't mention the fact that COVID came from a Wuhan lab and was either accidentally released or intentionally released but was in fact part of a bioweapons program so it really doesn't matter either way and Nancy doesn't want the athletes to speak out about the two million Muslim Uyghurs who are currently in concentration camps performing slave labor while being re-educated out of their religious beliefs the women are sterilized and raped their heads are shaved their hair is sold to Western women as extensions. The men are beaten and tortured. But nobody should bring it up. China also has compromising material on the corrupt business dealings of the illegitimate American president and his son. And they also have that on pretty much half the Democrat Party. Dianne Feinstein's driver for 20 years was a Chinese spy. Eric Swalwell was sleeping with a Chinese spy. And of course, Nancy Pelosi has her ties, too. See, America and the American ideal used to be a force for good in the world. We used to be proud of our athletes and Olympians when they stood up for what is right. Now, the Speaker of the House of Representatives is telling American athletes that they better not stand up and say anything true about China because she fears what might happen to them. A member of the Democrat Communist Party, the same party that wants celebrities to speak up in favor of anything, and of course there's money behind that, the same party that had Cardi B interview Bernie Sanders, doesn't want the athletes. To stand up for what's right. Because standing up for what's right actually hurts the Democrat Communist Party's narrative. They don't want people to know what really happens in China. Especially not during an important moment such as this. And if the Chinese government is so brutal and so ruthless. That they would put our Olympic athletes in harm's way simply for speaking their mind why are they there? Why didn't we boycott this awful display? And by the way, none of us should be watching any of this nonsense, supporting any of it, or supporting NBC for showing it. I would love to throw our support behind these athletes and I hope that they win in their events and I hope nothing bad happens, but I'm not going to watch any of it. None of them should be there. And meanwhile, Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party get to stage a weeks long commercial for how great China is. And Nancy doubled down on it today.
1: I say, as I wish the athletes well, I do not encourage them to speak out against the Chinese government there because I fear for their safety if they do.
0: Does anyone imagine she's actually looking out for the athlete's best interest? What she doesn't want. What she wants to avoid is the global media event and the scandal that would result from an American actually speaking up for what's right when it comes to the atrocities of the Chinese Communist Party. And we rarely talk about the organ harvesting of the Falun Gong. We rarely talk about the persecution of Christians. And Nancy would never want to talk about the Chinese intellectual property theft She would never want to talk about Americans selling trade secrets, including military trade secrets, to the Chinese. She would never want to talk about Chinese aggression in Hong Kong or Taiwan. She would never want to talk about the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative that is causing so many problems around the world, including in the United States. She doesn't want to talk about any of those things. And she certainly doesn't want the media talking about them because China has Decided to perhaps detain or disappear an American athlete. And how would Joe Biden handle that? Would Joe Biden be in a position of strength to retrieve an American athlete who decided to speak out against crimes against humanity? Or are we perhaps in a situation where the Chinese Communist Party knows that these sorts of threats? will coerce people's silence. And that's why they make the threats in the first place, as all communist regimes do. And of course, that's what we see happening in the United States now, too. We're not allowed to talk about the origins of the coronavirus or the effectiveness of the vaccines or the fact that the 2020 election was obviously stolen or the fact that the very violent insurrection was not an insurrection. Because all of those subjects come attached to penalties. And if the penalty is severe enough, then people might not say the true things that could threaten the regime. It's always nice to be reminded which side the Democrat Communist Party is on. So last week, I shared an article from The Blaze that described Thomas Renz's testimony at Ron Johnson's COVID panel, where he shared that three whistleblowers from the Department of Defense who had studied the DME database to look at the differences in certain conditions that could result from taking the vaccine, vaccine side effects, and the massive increase in those conditions. Among the members of our military who, by and large, are young and in excellent physical condition. Senator Ron Johnson followed up on that this week with a letter to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. He writes, on January 24th, 2022, I held a roundtable featuring world-renowned doctors and medical experts who shared their perspectives on COVID-19 vaccine efficacy and safety and the overall response to the pandemic. At that roundtable, I heard testimony from Thomas Renz, an attorney who is representing three Department of Defense whistleblowers who revealed disturbing information regarding dramatic increases in medical diagnoses among military personnel. The concern is that these increases may be related to the covid-19 vaccines that our servicemen and service women have been mandated to take based on data from the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database. Renz reported that these whistleblowers found a significant increase in registered diagnoses on DMED for miscarriages, cancer, and many other medical conditions in 2021 compared to a five-year average from 2016 through 2020. For example, at the roundtable, Renz stated that registered diagnoses for neurological issues increased 10 times from a five-year average of 82,000 to 863,000 in 2021. There were also increases in registered diagnoses in 2021 for the following medical conditions. Hypertension, 2,181% increase. Diseases of the nervous system, 1,048% increase. Malignant neoplasms of esophagus, 894% increase. Multiple sclerosis, 680%. Malignant neoplasms of digestive organs, 624%. Guillain-Barre syndrome, 551% increase. Breast cancer is up 487%. Demyelinating, 487% increase. Malignant neoplasms of thyroid and other endocrine glands, 474% increase. Female infertility, up 472%. Pulmonary embolism, 468%. Migraines, 452% ovarian dysfunction, 437%, testicular cancer, 369%, and tachycardia, up 302%. Renz also informs me that some DMED data showing registered diagnoses of myocarditis had been removed from the database. Following the allegation that DMED data had been doctored, I immediately wrote to you on January 24th requesting that you preserve all records referring, relating, or reported to DMED. I have yet to hear whether you have complied with this request at the roundtable, table. Renz revealed the names of the brave whistleblowers who uncovered this information in DMED doctors, Samuel Sigaloff, Peter chambers and Teresa long. Any retaliatory actions taken against these individuals will not be tolerated and will be investigated immediately in order to better understand what, if any awareness DOD has about COVID-19 vaccine injuries to service members I request you provide the following information. One, is DOD aware of increases in registered diagnoses of miscarriages, cancer, or other medical conditions in DMED in 2021 compared to a five-year average from 2016 through 2020? If so, please explain what actions DOD has taken to investigate the root cause for the increases in these diagnoses. Two, Have registered diagnoses of myocarditis in DMED been removed from the database from January 2021 to December 2021? If so, please explain why and when this information was removed and identify who removed it. Please provide this information as soon as possible, but no later than February 15th, 2022. Thank you for your attention to this matter. So Johnson wrote his letter to Austin on February 1st, And the very next day, this article appeared in The Blaze. This is Daniel Horowitz. Military spokesman claims five random years of DOD medical surveillance system were plagued by a giant glitch. The military's vital national security shield depends on the health of its service members. According to a spokesman for the Defense Health Agency, every data point for five years in the agency's entire epidemiological surveillance system Defense Medical Epidemiology Database, DMED, was one giant glitch. Oh, and that glitch magically stopped in January 2021, but it still wasn't detected until Thomas Renz testified before Senator Ron Johnson last Monday that this data existed. Last Monday, attorney Thomas Renz came forward with DMED data downloaded by several named and unnamed military physicians showing unnatural increases in numerous medical diagnoses in the military in 2021, completely out of sync with the previous five-year averages. He presented hundreds of these concerning safety signal data points to Senator Ron Johnson last week and publicized several examples at the hearing. Three military doctors signed a sworn affidavit. To be used in a federal lawsuit attesting to the fact that the data correlates with their clinical experience in treating soldiers in 2021 and that in their professional opinion, the mass vaccination is the most likely culprit of these increased injuries and ailments. Here are a few of the data points and he goes through what I just read to you. This is in addition to the original data Renz revealed to Senator Johnson, showing a tenfold increase in diagnoses for neurological issues, a 300 percent increase in miscarriage diagnoses and a total cancer diagnosis increase of about 300 percent. One would think this data would be the biggest national news story for the ensuing week. But the revelation was met with radio silence. Then late Monday night, PolitiFact finally drops its obligatory fact check and posts the first and only response from a defense official. Shockingly, they validate the data, but suggest without cause that somehow the 2016 through 2020 data in the system was all a glitch and that they will get to the bottom of it. And this is quoting that fact check. Officials compared numbers in the DMED with source data in the DMSS and found that the total number of medical diagnoses from those years represented only a small fraction of actual medical diagnoses. The 2021 numbers, however, were up to date giving the appearance of significant increased occurrence of all medical diagnoses in 2021 because of the underreported data for 2016 through 2020, Graves said. The DMED system has been taken offline to, quote, identify and correct the root cause of the data corruption, Graves said. And Graves is the official that PolitiFact is relying on. What's next? Are they going to tell us the Vares data from 1990 through 2020 was just a glitch in order to accommodate the new 2021 sky high baseline? This statement taken at face value is the equivalent of a political and national security nuclear bomb that requires immediate follow up questions just to make sense of it. Yet PolitiFact takes this absurdity at face value and goes on to rule the articles on the DMED data false. Putting aside the feasibility of such a statement for a moment, the implication of this assertion would be that the entire military health surveillance system was 100 percent broken on every diagnosis code for five straight years. This is the expensive database whose purpose is described by the military as, quote, granting military health officials unprecedented access to epidemiologic data on active component service members and tailored queries that respond in a timely and efficient manner, end quote. That in itself is a huge national security issue, and Thomas Wrenz and his military whistleblowers deserve a medal for, quote, discovering it. Why would the Defense Health Agency not have put out a press release to inform the public and instead allow this to be used as a parsimonious statement in a fact check article? If this is really about the health of the military and not just about defending the vaccine at all costs, then why wouldn't the military have come clean in a more direct way? Now on to the substance of the claim. Here are some obvious problems with this statement of Mr. Graves. We are to believe that somehow a data system that was designed to be monitored constantly was worthless and underreported for five years, but then magically reset to the proper baseline on its own in January 2021. However, the mistake of the previous five years was still not discovered until the whistleblowers came forward a year later. There is nothing unique about the years 2016 through 2020. Those just happen to be the arbitrary years that the whistleblowers use to establish a baseline from which to compare the 2021 data. Why would this magic glitch only affect those years, not a year before and not a year after? How could there be a glitch that underreports every single ICD code imaginable, not just one or two? How are they so certain that the five-year numbers are low while 2021 data is normal when they still haven't discovered the source of the supposed glitch? The raw numbers of the 2021 data are awfully high. If that is a normal year, then don't we have a terribly unhealthy active duty military? The DMED data is not what drove these military doctors to blow the whistle. It was their clinical experience in the military dealing with vaccine injuries and the constant opposition they received from the chain of command in requesting help for diagnosing and treating these injuries. The 2021 data as an anomaly from the previous five years would harmonize more with their clinical experience than the glitch hypothesis. If every diagnosis from the previous five years only reported a fraction of ICD codes, then wouldn't that be evident in every diagnosis, including ones that would conceivably have nothing to do with a vaccine injury? Instead, released data, which he links in the article, confirms that the number of diagnoses for things like Lyme disease, tick-borne diseases, and Chagas, ailments we can safely theorize, would not be affected by the vaccine We're not meaningfully higher in 2021 than the previous years. But if there was underreporting in the previous years, shouldn't that be the case with every ICD code, not just the ones causing neurological, hematological, pulmonary, cardio and reproductive disorders, as well as cancers? The diversity and magnitude of the individual numbers are too revealing to dismiss them as a glitch. If the vaccines were indeed the culprit... Neurological disorders are exactly what one would expect to increase more than anything else. This harmonizes perfectly with Pfizer's own cumulative post authorization safety data reported to its system during the first few months of vaccination in the 38 page document obtained in a FOIA lawsuit by judicial ruling. Pfizer discloses the existence of 42,086 adverse event case reports containing 158,893 total events, including 1,227 deaths. The single largest category of serious injuries was classified as nervous system disorders. Isn't the media the least bit curious about any of this? And if the Defense Department is now taking down the system so these doctors cannot make further queries of the data, who is to say they will not doctor the data? Senator Johnson sent a letter to the Secretary of Defense on January 24th asking him to preserve all the DMED data and make sure none of it is tampered with. One of the whistleblowers has already alleged that some of the myocarditis data has been tampered with. After receiving no response, Johnson sent another letter on Tuesday asking if DOD was aware of any of the aforementioned alarming data points and if the department has an explanation for it. After all, it's pretty odd that our military would respond first to PolitiFact rather than a senator. Either way, this is an enormous story that either demonstrates there are serious problems with the vaccines in the civilian world as well or that there is something wrong with the health of many service members. For some reason, there doesn't seem to be much interest in finding out what is the problem other than to exonerate the sacred shots. So who do you believe? Three Defense Department whistleblowers, other whistleblowers, your own experience, Ron Johnson, Daniel Horowitz, or a Defense Department official who answered PolitiFact and said that the data, well, there was just a glitch in the system. Turns out all of it is wrong. Can we tell you anything more about it? Nope. But you're going to have to believe our invisible answer because we're not going to tell you anything else about it and we're going to hide everything. And Lloyd Austin has not answered Ron Johnson. It's been, what, 10, 11 days? We see this pattern over and over again. They refuse to do their job. They refuse to submit to congressional oversight, which is the job of Congress when it comes to these executive branch agencies. They're going to claim that something in the system was a problem, but they won't name the problem. They won't provide proof that the problem is real. They won't show us what the problem affected or what the numbers should have been. They're just saying it's wrong. And the media will repeat their claims. And then everyone else has a plausible reason why they should simply turn away. Well, PolitiFact, they have this fact check and, you know, they couldn't be lying. But there's just two sides to everything, man. It's hard to tell which one is real. On one side, I have all of this data and these people who have sworn their testimony, they have sworn and signed affidavits that they are telling the truth, they are providing the proof of what they have seen and what the difference is. But on the other side, a corrupt fact checker is publishing the statement of a Defense Department official under an illegitimate regime, and we're just going to have to take his word for it. And if you question it, well, you might be killing somebody's grandmother by increasing vaccine hesitancy. That's how this works. In USA Today, today, we have this article once again proving how competent and popular and effective the fake president really is. Those COVID tests the government sent you might not work. Cold weather could be to blame. At the same time most Americans are facing cold fronts and winter storms, they're also expecting their at-home COVID-19 tests from the government to arrive in the mail. Most at-home COVID-19 test brands recommend storing the tests above 35 degrees. The liquid reagent inside the cartridge that comes with the at-home tests is susceptible to freezing. And if that happens, the accuracy of the results decreases, Cindy Prins, Associate Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Florida, told USA Today. With the federal government launching a program to send free at-home COVID-19 tests to Americans who sign up, Through the website COVIDTests.gov, 1 billion tests have been ordered for distribution via the U.S. Postal Service. What an incredible plan. One thing that we definitely needed was at-home COVID tests. Yes, we survived almost the entire very deadly pandemic without the at-home COVID tests, but... Do you know how much better we're going to survive with the at-home COVID tests, especially against a variant that doesn't really kill anybody? Gosh, it's going to be amazing. And thank goodness they're sending them all out through the U.S. Postal Service, which, by the way, just seems to me now like Uber drivers. Honestly, I don't know if you guys ever watch the mailman come in your town, but now they're just wearing normal clothes and driving their own car around and stuffing mail in the box. It's very strange. I guess that the Democrat Communist Party must have figured out that this was a better way to deliver the mail, especially in the age of mail-in ballots just sent out to everybody for no reason. But the important thing is how much safer we can feel knowing that we can still shelter at home and cast our vote so that we don't go out and risk getting the very scary variant. Back to the article. But could prolonged cold or freezing temperatures affect the results of the government-sent tests? It depends on how long it's been cold, experts said. Dr. Jeffrey Baird, Chair of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at the University of Washington School of Medicine, said the issue with the at-home tests is that if the liquid inside the cartridge is frozen, the results can be skewed. If the test is outside for a few hours, odds are the test is fine, although not as accurate as it once was. If your test is in your mailbox for a day or more, Baird advises using a PCR test instead. Baird said that if your test spent a night in your mailbox in 25 degree weather, it may be best to order another test so you can take the test that the government paid for and then mailed to you. And I'm sure that they got the best price ever on both and didn't use it as an opportunity to send somebody money for something that was worth far less. And you can just throw it in the trash. Joe Biden and Jen Psaki will send you a test. It'll stay in your mailbox overnight, and then you can throw it away. They have successfully moved the tests from China to the United States to your mailbox and to your trash can, and all it cost was taxpayer money. But hey, it's not their fault. They could have never known that the tests might freeze in your mailbox in the middle of winter. There was no way to predict this, even though. All of these people seem to know that that problem existed prior. So we should simply thank them for being so proactive about the very deadly pandemic. Did they get the tests out in time for Omicron? No. But hey, at least now everybody has tests, even though COVID's basically over. Another huge success. They'll just say, We sent a billion tests out to Americans. That is a gargantuan effort that we should be praised for. Just like Afghanistan was not actually a disaster. It was a huge success because we were able to export all of those. I mean, a few Americans, but then like 120,000 foreigners, And now they're making such valuable contributions to American communities, and none of them are raping little girls except for the ones who are. Just as anything with liquid, if it's chilled or frozen, it changes. That's the same with these at-home tests, Baird said. At a time where temperatures are freezing in most places, it's safer to choose another test. Most studies have found... A change in the temperature of the at-home test may result in a false negative test rather than a false positive, she added. She said if someone is exposed and tests negative with the at-home test, they should receive a PCR test to confirm the results. And I talked about this a few weeks ago. If the test is positive, you have to quarantine forever until you get a test that's negative. Even if you don't feel like you're sick at all, you still have to stay home better safe than sorry. But if your test says negative, you should assume that it's positive and stay home indefinitely until another test that might not work arrives at your house. And by the way, the PCR tests, well, they don't work either. And we've known that for a very long time. They can't distinguish between the cold and the flu and COVID. And at the cycle thresholds they use they can return up to 90% false positives. But the important thing is everybody keeps getting tested over and over and over again. And when you get those false positives, you got to tell the government so that we can record them as cases. You get a false negative, well, you just keep going. Get more tests. And always remember to mask up. The sensitivity to coronavirus on these tests can be decreased with temperature changes, and it's always tricky to tell by how much. But more often than not, a wrong test shows a false positive, so then you should get a PCR test, Prinz said. Antigen tests exposed for extended periods of time to temperatures below 36 degrees or above 86 degrees can deliver inaccurate results, according to a study published by the National Institutes of Health, and they are the most trustworthy. Consequences may include false negative test results, the researchers wrote. Storage and operation of antigen tests at recommended conditions is essential for successful usage during the pandemic. As soon as you get an email confirming your at-home test has arrived, Prinz recommended immediately storing it indoors. If the test arrives cold, the room temperature environment will help thaw the liquid inside. But Prinz said not to place the test in immediate sun, because high temperatures can also affect the results. Your best bet is room temperature. Nothing colder or hotter because the test is sensitive to those temperatures. And the article goes on, you're supposed to wait four to five hours with your test at room temperature before taking it. And then once you take it, you should assume if it's negative, it might still be positive and get a different test. But thank goodness they ordered a billion of them i can't wait to see how many new cases can be drummed up with these faulty tests but don't worry joe biden got a heck of a deal only 1.3 billion dollars to china for covid tests that's the biden's always getting such a great deal from china now there's a great investigative piece on the website involve.com investigation uncovers George Soros secretly funding effort to silence Joe Rogan. The campaign to censor Rogan began when a group of media described medical professionals who turned out to be left wing activists posing as medical professionals launched an expert petition in the media demanding that Spotify banned the Joe Rogan experience podcast from their platform. It was revealed how most of the people that signed the petition were in fact not real doctors or medical professionals. The fake petition and its media propagators drummed up enough faux outrage to get several musicians to issue Spotify an ultimatum. Ban Joe Rogan or we will leave your platform. Unsurprisingly, Spotify chose its star podcaster but pledged to do more to combat misinformation. In reporting that the vast majority of doctors behind the anti-Rogan letter were not, in fact, medical doctors, the dossier found paradoxically, the disseminators of this petition are guilty of the very misinformation label that they've attached to Rogan. In fact, neither of the two reported co-authors of the letter, Jessica Rivera and Ben Rhine, possess medical degrees. Rivera holds a master's degree and Rhine is a Ph.D. academic who researches psychiatry. Rivera is currently the science communication lead with the Pandemic Prevention Institute, a project of the far left Rockefeller Foundation. She was previously associated with the Atlantic's COVID-19 tracking project, a now defunct endeavor that was funded by Mark Zuckerberg and the Rockefeller Foundation, among other far left institutions. And it also lists the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation the Emerson Collective and the Patrick McGovern Foundation, and of course, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Rivera, who has accused Joe Rogan of spreading misinformation about mRNA shots, has spread plenty of misinformation about COVID-19 herself, including the pseudoscientific claim that vaccine induced immunity is better than natural immunity. And she was still saying that on December 20th of last year. And now Rolling Stone, which got the scoop of the initial story on the group of medical experts who are trying to cancel Joe Rogan, has unveiled two additional co-authors in their latest report. More spectacle than substance. Spotify response to Joe Rogan controversy leaves researchers shrugging. In short, the cancelers are not settling for Spotify's newfound push to combat misinformation. They still want Spotify to fully censor Rogan. In the piece, Rolling Stone provides more intel to readers on the petition that generated endless sensational headlines. Key additional players in disseminating the petition are supposed experts in the form of a doctor, Katrina Wallace, and a college student and TikToker named Abby Richards. Wallace, despite not being a medical doctor, goes by Dr. Cat. Rolling Stone, in its continuation of the campaign to silence Rogan, was happy to accommodate her request violating AP journalistic standards in referring to Wallace as Dr. Katrina Wallace. Wallace holds a Ph.D. in epidemiology and is currently an adjunct professor in Illinois. She has no background in vaccines or any relevant fields related to COVID-19. A brief overview of her published works find that it largely involves publishing research papers on the urinary tract. Per Google Scholar, she has spent the COVID years publishing academic papers almost exclusively about prostate cancer and ovarian cancer. Far from being a communicator of complete scientific truths, Wallace has spread plenty of her own misinformation on mRNA vaccines. She has claimed that individuals have a 90 percent decreased risk of infection from the shots. She has also suggested that covid injections prevents the infection entirely. We now know neither claim is remotely true. Rolling Stone describes fellow campaigner Abby Richards as a misinformation researcher who helped organize the efforts to write the letter. However, they did not bother to mention that Richards is a consultant with Media Matters, a notorious far-left, dark-money-funded outfit that operates solely to attempt to silence their political opposition. Richards has previously participated in a Media Matters campaign to cancel Tucker Carlson, who she has labeled a white supremacist. According to her biography, Richards, a media-labeled medical expert, is working on an online master's degree in climate studies. She is also affiliated with a new left wing group called the Accelerationism Research Consortium, which was created to study the, quote, threat of insurrectionary accelerationism, which is academic jargon for all right wingers and especially Trump supporters are potential terrorists or something. We've now identified four named organizers behind the letter. None are actual medical experts and two are directly affiliated with far left institutions that have long been known for waging cancel culture censorship campaigns. So Joe Biden and the fake administration, in an effort to seem like they are less incompetent than they are, which no one will believe, they released An entirely unbelievable jobs report today that said not only did they did the payroll number drop by two hundred and fifty thousand as expected by Goldman Sachs. And not only did it beat the hundred and twenty five thousand ad that the government had said it expected, it went up. 467000 And then they revised December and November upward as well. And there's a great piece on all of this and why there is no reason to believe these numbers are correct today in Zero Hedge. And you can find that in the info stream at t.me slash I'm your moderator. But it's a bit long and there are some graphs and charts and it's worth actually seeing it with your own eyes. And finally... Donald Trump put out a statement this morning, and it wasn't from the office of the 45th president. It was from Trump Media and Technology Group. Facebook and big tech are seeking to destroy the Freedom Convoy of truckers. The Freedom Convoy is peacefully protesting the harsh policies of far left lunatic Justin Trudeau, who has destroyed Canada with insane covid mandates. Now, thankfully, the Freedom Convoy could be coming to D.C. with American truckers who want to protest Biden's ridiculous covid policies. Facebook is canceling the accounts of Freedom Convoy USA and GoFundMe is denying access to funds that belong to the Freedom Convoy. This is unacceptable and extremely dangerous in any country that values free expression. Truth Social is announcing today that we are welcoming the Freedom Convoy with open arms to communicate freely on Truth Social when we launch. Coming very soon. Truth Social will fight back against big tech so we can protect our rights to free expression. Also, on top of everything, it is big news that Facebook daily users went down for the first time ever. People are tired of seeing biased social media like Twitter and Facebook, and it's showing in their numbers. And it's a bit of a shame that Trump didn't mention that Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's son, and it should be obvious to everyone who looks hilariously. Tucker Carlson actually talked about this on air last night with a couple of the other Fox News hosts. It was like the lead into the next show or something. But he showed the picture of Margaret Trudeau with Justin Trudeau's brother in her arm and fidel castro right next to her they showed a clip of margaret trudeau talking about how sexy fidel castro is and of course you could also just look at trudeau next to a picture of fidel castro his actual father and pierre trudeau his pretend father and i understand that this sort of thing is so shocking but why honestly it just means that there is another thing that you have been lied to For your entire awareness about you would expect a proper media to be telling you for the entire time that Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's son. You would expect Justin Trudeau to admit that he is Fidel Castro's son, but that might be a problem for his political career. So they go ahead and hide it. But it's interesting that our standards of belief have been so distorted by the Psyop that the mainstream media has pulled for the last forty, fifty, sixty years—that this overwhelming and obvious proof of Justin Trudeau being Fidel Castro's son isn't enough to make you think that it's true. You either want Justin Trudeau to come out and say it himself, or for the mainstream media to all agree to admit that Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's son. It's a refusal to believe what is obviously true because you haven't had it approved by the gatekeepers yet. And if you're still in that mindset, you got to break out. The gatekeepers are not keeping the gates for you. That's not what they're protecting. They do not care about giving you the information you need to navigate your world. But back to the Trump statement. So this truth social thing Nobody knows exactly what it's going to be yet. There are some relationships being formed on the Rumble side of things. They have a licensing agreement, at least with Rumble. They have Devin Nunes in place to be the CEO of Truth Social. I believe personally, this is just my opinion and belief, that there may be a tie-in with Getter, that the Trump acquisition group might acquire Getter and make that part of Truth Social. I could see them acquiring Gab and making Gab part of Truth Social. If Truth Social was Getter and Gab and Rumble, you would basically have one package that contains Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, or at least a version of those, a suitable version of all those. And if they weren't censoring and they couldn't be taken offline or manipulated, then we would be in a whole new environment when it comes to free speech. One would imagine, and we'll find out if it's true, but one would imagine that Donald Trump would immediately be part of the Truth Social Network and the era of Trump tweets, in quotes, would begin again. And the media would move over to Truth Social in order to follow him. And at that point, people will begin seeing what free speech actually looks like. If we're in an information war, and I fully believe that we are. In fact, I think it's crazy to even consider that we might not be. The censorship itself should be enough proof. But if we are in an information war, what is the greatest weapon in, in an information war? It is a fully informed public and the public becomes fully informed through free and open speech. And in the connected environment of the Internet, that is the greatest weapon imaginable. Imagine what we would know about the coronavirus, about the election fraud. And I don't mean we, I mean the public. Imagine what the public would know about these crucial issues if All of the conversation, the conversation that works against the central narrative had not been censored. If we all existed on an even playing field where Twitter doesn't show everybody only the blue check communists in the Democrat Party and in the mainstream media, what would it look like? What would it look like if Robert Malone and Peter McCullough and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. got the same airtime as Sanjay Gupta and Leanna Wang and Anthony Fauci? No one would believe those people because they don't support anything they ever say. They have actually been wrong about everything. And if we were freely sharing proof of the stolen election in 2020 on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else, people would actually look at that and they would actually be like, oh, yeah, maybe they're right. That is what normal people do. And I'm not saying I know there's that. 15 or 20 percent or maybe even 25 percent of people who are just still completely addicted to the central narrative. They have their entire persona and identity wrapped up in being the good Democrats who are saving everyone's lives. I understand those people exist. But the thing about those people is, remember, the narcissism and incompetence Those people say all these things because these are the approved of things to say. They get social credit for saying them. They get social credit for portraying themselves in a certain way as following the experts, following the science, very smart, very safe. They're the ones who are saving the world. They get social credit for that. Once everybody else in the public realizes that that's not what they're doing, that they're actually lying. That what they are saying is not worthy of any social credit. The social credit disappears and then you can watch them go absolutely crazy online and probably in real life, too. These people are going to lose their minds, but we are within weeks, maybe six weeks, right? They've said it's coming first quarter 2022. So that's by the end of March. But there have also been hints about truth social coming as early as President's Day. And if Donald Trump is referring to truth social's release in the context of the freedom convoy of truckers, well, that freedom convoy of truckers is already over a week old and they've been in Ottawa for a week now. Does Trump really expect the freedom convoy to still be in Ottawa in four weeks or six weeks? I doubt it. I mean, I don't know, but I kind of doubt it. I don't think that that situation is going to take that long to resolve itself. What is Justin Trudeau going to do? He's already said he doesn't plan on sending the military and it would be absurd for him to do that. But if you've already said you're not going to escalate the situation on your end, well, then all you have left to do is eventually capitulate and give up all the covid regulations as many of the countries in Europe have done. This freedom convoy is a very powerful force. And, you know, we're also hearing word that things in Arizona are heating up, too. I think that there is about to be an avalanche of narrative crushing stories. And I have to believe that Donald Trump is aligning the release of truth social with the release of those stories. He is going to want to have a fortified communication system in place for when the truth finally begins to be exposed to the broader public. Once the communists cannot stop the open exchange of free speech and free thought, the whole thing will crumble. The censorship is the only thing keeping them alive, and that's why they want more of it. I believe that we are in for some exciting weeks ahead. Just a note before I go. I I'm having a few issues with the Anchor platform in terms of the arrangement of my podcast episodes in the podcast feed. I hope that won't take me more than a day or two to work out and then everything should display fine after that. But it's a little janky right now, so my apologies for that. Tomorrow morning, Saturday, February 5th, I am going to be releasing a very cool interview just like last week with cash patel cash was amazing this one is going to be great too i'm going to let it be a surprise for all of you this weekend but keep an eye open for that i think you'll really enjoy it i'll be back on monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network i don't have a network masks and lockdowns don't work they lied to you about a pandemic and joe biden will never be president It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'mYourModerator.Substack.com and the merch site is CancelCouture.com. You can also go direct to that at Shop.Spreadshirt.com slash Cancel-Couture. I'll see you next time. Out on the rain. moderator for tonight's broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's <a>
1: noon! <laughs> Hold up. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
0: In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator.